the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one dave trafford host and producer of on the ledge the ontario politics podcast toronto lawyer courtney betty of betty's law and jerry agar live in studio host of the jerry agar show nine to noon good morning happy friday to everybody and uh did anybody see the most recent mayor's debate i just saw i was in the room last night you were in the room okay you're the perfect guy then uh give us an impression i mean not an impersonation but an impression (laughs) no actually impersonate every one of them please (laughs) (laughs) a couple of observations that would have been out of camera shot i i think the way they had set this up first of all steve pakin is we'll all agree is excellent at doing this there's nobody who's better at it i think he had his hands full more last night than he has in any other debate and he was exceptional so that's just one thing uh that's saying something but the room was really interesting because the 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 uh, debate was held at the Isabel Bader Theater at the Victoria College University of Toronto. It probably holds about 400 people. It was full, but uh, it was probably on the uh, latter edge of middle-aged. I would say there were more women than men in the room. Uh, they either shared Jerry's hair color or my lack of hair uh, in terms of the uh, demographic that was in there. So w- it was a really um, thoughtful, but not as diverse a group as you would have seen on the stage. Having said all of that, it was really interesting to hear how they responded uh, and respectfully and often quietly to the various jabs and comments and points being made by candidates right across. So I think sort of to um, to Deb Hutton's point earlier in the day, earlier this morning, John, there was um, there was a shift away from targeting Olivia. Clearly, there was more of a targeting of Mark Saunders. He took he went to the woodshed over his uh, record as police chief here in the city. And then I think it was really interesting to see how I think three candidates sort of elevated their game. Matt, Matt Lowe, Mitzi Hunter, and and Bylaw actually, uh, I thought, performed better last night than I've seen in the last four, uh, three or four debates I've watched. Okay. Uh, and Courtney Betty, I, I had asked, uh, you joined us in progress, uh, who had seen the debate. Very fortuitously, Dave Trafford was in the room where it happened. Um, did you catch any of it? I didn't catch the debate, but I think that everything that Davis said is really important. And, you know, the ability to kind of get a new level of bolder into the room is going to be a big part of whoever, whichever candidate can attack, can be able to get to the diverse voters and the young voters is going to create a significant block uh, moving forward. Uh, Let's talk about one of the day's big stories, and that is that uh, Pride has been slammed by an insurance bill that is much bigger than last year's insurance and policing costs that are enormously bigger. Um, Courtney Betty, we spoke with the executive director of Pride Toronto. He said he's been told that the insurance and the police budget are about a larger footprint, but geographically it's barely larger than it was last year. Well, you know, one of the things, though, John, is these form of parades that we have in the city of Toronto. And if you take, I can make a comparison to Caravana. Um, there's a huge amount of economic growth that these events bring in. And the police charges are always a major part of the budget. And I think at some point down the road, it'll be interesting if there's an economic growth for the city, will the city of Toronto also step in and help out with the cost of policing? 
Uh, Jerry Agar, the executive director, quoted some figures, actually, and said that uh, it brings in $200 million in tax revenue, which I imagine is in sales tax and other revenues like that, and $600 million in revenue for private industry all over the city of Toronto. So he says people should pony up. Okay. I didn't really answer your question, though, which I think was you were passing along as a question from Deb Hutton earlier this morning, which is, if it's such a big deal, why can't it fund itself? Like, uh, Because money doesn't go to them. Well, sponsors should be all over this thing, uh, is what I'm saying, and I think a lot of sponsors are. I would want to know whether the insurance rates and the police charges, etc., are increasing as well for any other similar type events. There's only so many of them, but Carabana might be another one. Is insurance going up for that? Aren't they greatly increasing the size and presence and, t- and late into the night of the beer garden? Not that it, that's going to affect the insurance. It's a very insurance. modest change, but well, I, I, I don't know. I thought I read that it was quite a bit bigger. That's going to affect your insurance. It is. And Dave Trafford, it'd be very interesting to do a comparison with Carabana because it's a, a similar event. Yeah, I think that, that there's that. There's the all of the street festivals, the jazz festivals, the um, uh, even the the indie. I mean, I realize that's a closed space, but you're talking about uh, increased costs, insurance, uh, certainly policing, just inflation. So a lot of that's taken into account. On the surface of this, I think that you know this is an important conversation to have because what came out of the debate, for example, last night is we are facing huge costs in this city. This might just be the beginning of that ripping the Band-Aid off in a very slow fashion that, in fact, we're going to have to face the fact that in the next 10 years, next 5 years, next 2 years, we're going to be in a place where we're going to have to make some really, really tough decisions around dollars and cents and, the, and what is the, at the heart of the fabric of this city. This might be the beginning of that conversation. There was one other thing that Sherwin Modest, the executive director of Pride, had to say, which came as a surprise to me because I wasn't aware that they were lobbying for this. But apparently they're looking to create an exclusion zone for protesters so they can't get close to the event. We're also looking for some legislative changes that will really help to protect the 2S LGBTQ community in relation to really preventing protesters from interfering with the pride parades being able to celebrate. We saw what happened during the pandemic when protesters were attacking hospitals, attacking healthcare workers. We saw how quick the government were able to put legislation in place to prevent them from getting within a certain distance of the hospitals and healthcare providers. And I think these are some of the things that we have to do to create a safer space for the 2S LGBTQ community. Dave Trafford, I'm not the biggest fan of exclusion zones. I guess it kind of flies up my libertarian nose. Well, and I, I hear you on that. I think there's a couple of distinctions here. It, uh, the difference is that this is a, um, a discretionary, and I use that with all due respect, uh, event that we are going to hold in the city of Toronto. That's one thing. We decide whether or not we're going to do that. It's not like you can decide that the hospital for sick kids is going to be where it is. That So the, the protests outside the hospital and protests at, the, at, the, at a specific event that you choose to hold, not exactly the same thing. Also, it leads us back to the question and the conversation we just had about insurance and about, um, you know, liabilities vis-a-vis police costs. So this just is, is beginning to make this event all the more expensive if you begin to do that. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't, but I think those are the considerations that have to be made if you're going to actually compare it to, you know, other events where protesters show up. I wonder if it's counterproductive. Well, Dave, Dave I, think there's a, I think there's another part to it, though, right? If you're bringing economic growth into the city, as John has pointed out, 
it means that there are people that are benefiting from that. And for me, you know, one of the things I always thought was the hotels, usually there's a lot that's happening. Even giving, let's say, 1% towards the event that's generating it. There are ways of looking at it, but there has to be some, um, some help from the city, especially on the issue of policing. It seems counterproductive. Like if, you, if you're going to announce that you have a protest zone, you're sort of saying, hey, come on and protest. Well, no, I don't think it's creating a zone. It's creating a, a parameter around the event in which you are not allowed to protest. Well, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I don't recall a whole lot of disturbance during Pride in that regard. They're not under attack. Uh, that was my question to uh, Sherwin, mm-hmm. but he said no, they in the past have come under threat. Well, All right. he, he seemed to spend a lot of time with imaginary stuff like it's, you know, these attacks are in the news every day. You know, I follow the news every day. And I, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, I guess it's how you shape your definition of attack. But certainly south of the border, it's getting completely out of hand. In the news every day is what he said. But you know, yes, but we're not, we're not putting a parade on in uh, the United States. We're talking about Toronto. Okay, you'd have to ask him because I don't have the document. Uh, Ontario is handing out prepaid credit cards for people with smart thermostats. The whole idea is you sign on to the program, and then when there's too much demand on the grid, they will turn the air conditioning, not off, but they will turn the temperature in the house up. Dave Trafford, you do Ontario politics. Um, what do you think of the whole thing? I thought the most interesting part of this was that it didn't include your furnace. It's only about people who have air conditioning or heat pumps so it you know is is this one of these things to sort of push you away from uh you know or considering a heat pump in your house which would actually heat and cool your home uh, depending on uh, you know where you are and certainly would work here in toronto i know the folks down in nova scotia where my kids live um they they have the uh, the heat pump going on so it, there was an interesting part of it in terms of the climate or the energy usage or the you know the longer term environmental benefit of this what was veiled in this and it's not clear is that they aren't supporting this if you use fossil fuel to heat your home right jerry disinclined to invite the government into my home right but it's just say you volunteer so you well that's my position okay okay i mean if you want to do it go ahead courtney betty well it's anything that we can do to conserve is great um but again, if you're talking air conditioning, you're probably talking a certain percentage of the population. So there are others that are going to be excluded. Uh, let's because there's not a lot of time left on the clock. And I did promote this. So uh, there's an American millionaire and professor. I listened to a conversation with him yesterday and he says he's sick and tired of listening to commencement addresses where they say, follow your dreams, follow your passion. Jerry, he says, do what you're good at, and maybe you can become passionate about that eventually. You know, when I first encountered this, he did this speech a while ago, and at first I thought, okay, and then I thought, you know what, he's right. And I I was trying to remember this morning, I wish I could, which um, Blue Jays picture it was a year or so ago, was talking about how his passion was basketball. And I think it was Hazel who said, well, why don't you play basketball then for a living? And he said, because I'm good at baseball. In other words, he followed his talent. Courtney, Betty, there's a certain indulgent aspect to this whole debate, which would be, you know, uh, I don't know that a lot of jobs involve any degree of passion. These speeches are always given by people who have had tremendous success as actors, captains of industry and various other things. Well, it's interesting, John. I was just at a commencement uh, last week at Howard. My daughter, Nia, graduated with honors, really proud of her. But this concept of pursuing your passion, it's actually the same, John, because, you know, it's where Malcolm Gladwell wrote about how you put in your 10,000 hours. So anything that you put in 10,000 hours in, 
you're probably going to be very good at it. And it's, you know, people make decisions. I'm really great at uh, football, but if I play base- baseball, I'm going to have, you know, a 10-year career rather than a two-year career. So you put your time and effort into uh, being able to play baseball. This is why I'm so good at watching baseball, because I've put in my 10,000 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and Toronto hockey fans have put in their 10,000 years. Uh, Dave Trafford. Well, the, te- the 10,000 hours thing is, is entirely arbitrary. I mean, that's just a nice kind of bumper sticker the label that's out there. I, 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 get the, I get the point. But I, I think, you know, if, if we weren't in delay, uh, I would be using the same phrase to throw back at this guy. I mean, I, I think it is BS that at some point you have to be passionate about what you do um, because it doesn't matter the career that you're in um, whether it was broadcasting or law or whatever it might be you had to really put your head down and want to do this to get to where you know you are John you are Jerry I am you are Courtney so I, I think that the, the, the secret sauce does include passion and that you really do have to dig down you have to be committed you have to be resilient all those other things but you don't get very far if you're not really passionate about what you do Thank you all very much. Good stuff. We're out of time, but thank you. Courtney Betty, Jerry Agar, and Dave Trafford. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.